transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. A cold Mojave night, the wind howling outside, a fire going inside. The more space between you and the rest of the busy, busy, frantic world of continual nonsense, the better the condition of your soul. Before we go off in some various directions, I want to tell you about our last Desert Oracle stage show. One more, one more Desert Oracle Radio live show on stage Thursday, November 10 at the Los Angeles Central Libraries Auditorium. I did not know it was the last one when I said yes to this booking, but who really knows anything? The reasons I'm not doing the stage show anymore are pretty simple and ultimately trivial and in some part financial. You might have heard about this inflation thing which has affected everything but the amount they pay for the entertainment. But also because it's a lot of hustle and that's against my religion. Because it's about 10 hours of dodging Amazon Prime semi-trucks on the interstate. Before a one-hour show, followed by empty cities with all the restaurants closed, and I'm wondering if the neutron bomb finally went off. I've had my share, thank you. Supposed to stay on the back roads anyway, the blue highways, if compelled to leave the desert compound. So Thursday, November 10, Zebulon presents Desert Oracle Radio at the L.A. Central Library's Mark Taper Auditorium. Now, whoever Mark Taper is, people have ignorantly put his name on about seven different public spaces in Los Angeles. This one's at the Central Library in downtown L.A. Doors at 6, show at 7. You can be back home watching your streaming programs before 9 if you hurry, hurry. And at least when I saw him last weekend... Red, Blue, Black, Silver said he's playing the show, so it will be the last show with him, too. He swore on a stack of... I guess it was parking tickets. So thanks for coming to these shows... Uh, Thanks to Merrick at the booking agency for setting up the stuff. You should always try new things if they are offered to you, but you can't keep doing stuff if it's not what you're supposed to be doing, especially if it's against your religion. 
Good Lord, I feel like most of what I do is the opposite of what I'm supposed to be doing. How did that happen? Why deal with enormous global conglomerates to publish books when I used to do it myself? Why have a radio show on all these transparently evil tech platforms? And then have to hold your nose and go plug the stuff on these vile billionaire social networks. You do your work and you hope people generally understand the point, but spend eight years doing this kind of stuff and it slowly becomes apparent that most people are utterly missing it, even if they're listening and reading. Missing the point, I mean. This is not the Woodsy Owl Show. It's probably a disclaimer that should be on the label. No hustling. Don't do it. Don't hustle for anybody and don't hustle for yourself if you can help it. Hustling was something you did in Times Square or behind the liquor store for five or ten bucks, you know, Midnight Cowboy. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Don't worry what you will eat or drink. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. And any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's from the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. The staggering account of the Sermon on the Mount, as Leonard Cohen described it. And speaking of red, blue, black, silver, the soundscapes you hear on this radio program are composed and performed by... Red, blue, black, silver. surprising or even everyday encounter with the wildlife. Now, yesterday, as I was wrapping up a dreary afternoon of answering emails and dreaming of what kind of household poison I could eat to avoid ever looking at email again, 
big flew up under the patio eaves and began a search of the boards and beams, looking for some of the bugs that appeared after our recent rains, the last insects before winter. I sort of crawled across the floor very slowly to not startle the bird outside, and good lord, what a huge woodpecker, I thought. I was about a dozen feet away, looking into the sun and through the window, which needs cleaning and etc., But finally, I got a good enough view to see it wasn't a woodpecker and it wasn't a giant mutant cactus wren. It was a flicker, a northern flicker. I've never seen one on this little patch of high desert land before. An enormous bird. full of weird energy and probing intelligence and a wonderful sense of fun. It looks like fun to me, anyway. I hope it decides to hang around for a while. Later, taking the evening hike with the dog, our old buddy, the lonesome coyote, tracked us for a mile or so. And then when we rested up at the Rock Bowl, my name for a place where nobody else ever goes, this very handsome coyote sat about 20 feet across from us, tucked its tail underneath, and just watched us, and eventually started looking around at birds going by and Well, I think Lonesome Sue is sort of in love with my dog, is my feeling about it. Sadly, my dog is fixed, as they say, meaning medically altered to prevent the one thing animals and other people are programmed to do, which is reproduce. So, there will be no coyote dogs from this long-simmering romance... What a beautiful coyote, though. If a domestic breed ever had half the beauty, half the elegance, half the intelligence, well, I guess it would be a regular domestic dog, which I'm grateful for as well. Let's see, we're supposedly uh, talking about events... Here we go. Coming up uh, on November 18, finally, Friday evening, November 18, a camp meeting in Moab, Slick Rock Country, the Canyonlands, Grand County, Utah. We've got a whole weekend of interesting community work. You still go broke doing this stuff, but at least it's for a good cause. In this case, it's a fundraiser for our radio home in Moab and the Castle Valley, KZMU-FM 90.1 FM and 106.7 FM, 
campfire tales like we used to do all the time and love more than anything. But for baffling reasons, they have never returned for Desert Oracle except in one place, Utah. We did one earlier this year at Green River on the river at nightfall, just a beautiful evening for the Epicenter community event held there. And now we've got Friday, November 18. At a campground on the edge of town. It's a small town, Moab is, so the campground is very close. In fact, that's where I took a very pleasant half-day walk when I was last in Moab. All proceeds support KZMU Community Radio, where you can hear this program, Desert Oracle Radio, on Saturday nights at 9 p.m., And then on November 19, that next Saturday, at 7 p.m., a free event at the Grand County Public Library, 257 East Center Street in Moab, in partnership with Back of Beyond Books. Some storytelling, some readings, book signing, etc., Maybe somebody will take me out for drinks. Someplace kind of upscale, like Woody's Tavern. Go to DesertOracle.com and click Events. There will be links to each of these events. These final Desert Oracle events on the calendar. I'll be doing something else in the future, St. Sophia willing. Because the new year has arrived, the new year marked by Samhain, Samhain. Or Samhain in the original Danzig dialect. All Hallows' Eve to the Day of the Dead, from dusk till dawn, Samhain, Samhain, etc., with some variation from the Irish to the Scots Gaelic to the Echo Park witches at the Airbnb down the road. Everybody's got an opinion. And there's nothing quite so rewarding as keeping your opinion to yourself close to your heart. A new year, a new time, turn over a new leaf. Not a leaf falling off a tree, although that makes seasonal sense. But the leaf of a book, a new page, a page of a book, turning a new page, goes back to the 1500s in the English language, a new leaf, a new page. On the summer of 1956, an utterly broke writer by the name of Jack Kerouac got a lead on a summer job uniquely suited to a wandering philosopher who was trying to get his life together, trying to get his spiritual affairs in order. 
The job was seasonal fire lookout on Desolation Peak and the North Cascades, Washington State. took nothing but notebooks for his journals and his prose and his poetry and a copy of the Diamond Sutra to study. No alcohol, which was a real sacrifice for Kerouac. And no human contact beyond the weekly bull session on the Fire Lookout network of two-way radios. The novel that covers this period of his life, a whole year before his old manuscript On the Road is finally published and completely upends his life and sparks an entire generational social movement that he never understood, but did not particularly endorse. Well, the novel is called Desolation Angels and it has long been one of my favorites. Especially the long section that opens the book about his time as a fire lookout for the U.S. Forest Service. Well, I pulled it off my bookshelves late in this long, dreary summer, and I got pulled right back into that world. The world of Kerouac's romantic prose, the whole thing. I have a trade paperback from 1980, and somehow that has survived 30 or 40 changes of address, changes of everything else. And the cover is faded from decades of desert sun bleaching through the windows, the pages dog-eared like all my favorite books. I was trying to figure out when this edition was published, and to my delight, I learned that Rare Bird Books in Los Angeles and the Kerouac Estate were just about to publish Desolation Peak, a collection of his original Fire Lookout journals along with his translation of the Diamond Sutra and a bunch of mountain meadow poetry and Mexico City blues that had not yet seen print. So I asked Rare Bird if they'd send one over. And I've been enjoying it during the peaceful hours this week and last. The book's out next week, November 8, 20 and 22, so check your local independent bookseller or Rare Bird Books on the internet. I'm going to read a little bit from Desolation Peak. And if you're not familiar with Kerouac, then maybe you'll see why it matters, hear why it matters. Why it matters so much to so many people, whether you're talking about Patti Smith or Bob Dylan, T-Rex or Richard Linklater, Kristen Stewart or Tom Waits, The Doors and the Dead and the Sonic Youth, Ella Fitzgerald and Jolie Holland, Lana Del Rey. Desolation Peak. 
summer 1956. Desolation Blues and 12 Choruses. Here's number one. I stand on my head on Desolation Peak and see that the world is hanging into an ocean of endless space. The mountains dripping rock by rock like bubbles in the void. Intending where they want that at night the shooting stars are swimming up to meet us. Yearning from the bottom black but never make it, alas, that we walk around clung to earth like beetles with big brains ignorant of where we are, how, what, and upside down like fools talking of governments and history. But Mount Hosamine... The most beautiful mountain I ever seen does nothing but sit and be a mountain, a mess of double-pointed rock, hanging, whirring into space. Oh, frightful, silent, endless space. Everything goes to the head of the hanging bubble with men. The juice is in the head, so mountain peaks are points of rocky, liquid yearning. And if you don't like the tone of my poems, you can go jump in the lake. I have been empowered to lay my hand on your shoulder and remind you that you are utterly free. Free is empty space. You don't have to be famous. Don't have to be perfect. Don't have to work. Don't have to marry. Don't have to carry burdens. Don't have to gnaw and kneel. From the Desolation Journals. Full moon, white snow, my bottle of purple dessert. The work of the world and my work is to celebrate life by celebrating the enlightened guts of the living. In my prose reportages, and to praise the golden eternity by praising the enlightened guts of the dead. Saturday, July 21. Wrote joyously, absorbed and with care, on the big slim part of Ozone Park manuscript. Oh God, all I asked for was my work. Is that too much? Today I'm making, I hope, arrangements to go down trail four miles, meet patrol boat, and pick up my smokes. A little weird flower, why did you grow? Who planted you on this goddamned hill? Who asked you to grow? Why don't you go? What's wrong with your orange tips? I was under the impression that you were supposed to be some kind of perfect nature. Oh, you are? Just jiggle in the wind, I see. 
At your feet, I see a nosegay bouquet of seven little purple apes. Who didn't grow so high in a sister of yours? Further down the precipice, and your whole family to the left. I thought last week you were funeral bouquets for me. I never asked to be born or die. But now I guess I'm just talking through my empty head. Just finished my new transliteration of Diamond Cutter. Birds fly over the shack rejoicing. Such places where the scripture is observed, however wretched they may be, will be loved as though they were famous memorial parks and monuments to which countless pilgrims and sages will come to Desolation Peak. I got a letter from Jason Blatzheim. Blatzheim? I think that's how you say it. Uh, in Winnemucca, Nevada. Oh, I miss Winnemucca. He says, hello, Ken. I really dig the podcast magazine, my kind of weird. I've noticed recently you've been into Kerouac. Well, I've always been Kerouac enthusiast since uh, about 1980 or 81 or so. But yes, it's true. Recently, I've been pulling out some books. Anyway, back to the letter. Never argue with a letter, you know? Who does that? And thought you might enjoy this documentary about Kerouac's time in Big Sur. It's yours now. Hey, thank you, Jason. And he sent this box that looks like a book and there's a DVD in there so I'm gonna roll the TV out of the closet one day coming up and uh, we're gonna put that on the, the DVD player from Amboy to Zizek's and across the great Mojave wilderness and the whole American Southwest this is Desert Oracle Radio I'm your host, Ken Lane. Nobody else shows up, so... In my own little fire lookout tower. Looking out at the little San Bernardino Mountains, which were beautifully covered in a light coating of snow on Thursday morning, just as the sun was rising. We broadcast Friday nights from our home station in Joshua Tree. Z107.7 FM. That's on your FM dial. And I'm mostly back in the desert for the rest of the year, so I'm working on that Desert Oracle number 10 periodical. Good night from the voice of the desert.